0: Welcome back to the All About Audiology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lilach Saperstein, and today we're talking all about protecting our hearing. What are some of the ways we can protect our hearing, and what happens when we're exposed to a lot of noise? Before we jump in, I'd like to remind you that you can download the free five-step guide to navigating your child's hearing loss over on the website. In my work as an educational audiologist, I saw that one of the biggest problems was trying to stay on top of all the overwhelming questions that come up when someone's child gets a diagnosis. There are so many questions and all different things that need to get done. And having a five-step guide that takes you through it has helped a lot of you I'm really grateful for the feedback I've gotten on it and I hope that it continues to help more people you can download it for free at allaboutaudiology.com guide and you can also send that guide over to anyone you know who might benefit from it someone who has a new or recent diagnosis of a hearing loss in their family and it's a really useful tool for helping to navigate and figure out what are the next steps and that's over at allaboutaudiology.com slash guide. And on to today's topic. What are some of the causes of hearing loss? We know that hearing loss can be hereditary or genetic, it can be present from birth, or it can be something that happens or develops during life that can be acquired. In general, when it comes to hearing loss, there isn't a lot we can control. But there is one cause of hearing loss that we might have some control over, and that's noise-induced hearing loss hearing loss that's caused by being exposed to very loud sounds. And when it comes to noise exposure, we always talk about dose. And when we talk about dose, we talk about two things, how loud the sound is, and that's measured in decibels and dB, and for how long. What's the duration of the noise exposure? It can be complicated to measure the amount of noise exposure, and so when we put it into this measurement of dose, we can get the average decibel level over a certain amount of time. So for example, the OSHA recommendations for occupational safety for work standards are 85 dB for eight hours. If someone is exposed to 85 dB for eight hours, then at that point there needs to be hearing protection, there needs to be monitoring of the hearing, the early hearing tests, and so on. So when we think about our exposure to noise, we can think about the dosage and think about trying to reduce a how loud the sounds are that we are exposed to and b how long we're getting exposed to them for so for example the other day on Instagram somebody sent me a message and asked me I'm going to the dentist and actually I'm a little worried there's all these loud drills and is that going to affect my hearing I responded to them by saying that was a great question Um, the drills they are pretty loud and they are very very close to your ears right in your face so that's a wonderful question to ask but if you're going to the dentist once a year for half an hour and you're exposed to that sound it's not likely to have such a significant effect on your hearing and also because it's a short amount of time your ears and the hair cells have a chance to recuperate it's unlikely to leave a great permanent kind of a damage for for so short a time but the dentist and the dental hygienist and the staff who are working with those drills for eight hours or however many hours each day day after day week after week for many years now that's where we start to see occupational noise-induced hearing loss when someone is exposed to this kind of noise for very long periods of time at very high volumes. Back to episode three, when we talked all about hearing and how our ears work, you can go back and listen to that to take a dive with me through the question of how we hear. And in that episode, I talked about the little hair cells that move within our cochlea. So if we pretend that the little hair cells that are running all along the cochlea are kind of like a big luscious lawn of grass, we can follow the metaphor where everyone keeps taking the same shortcut and walking along a little path in the lawn. So if two or three people go on the lawn, that's okay, those little grassy hairs will come and pop right back up and they won't take too much damage. But if everybody every single day continues to take the same shortcut on the lawn, you what's going to happen is it's going to make tread marks on those little blades of grass it's going to bend them bend them bend them over and over and over again so much that they won't be able to come back and recover And so you'll have a tread mark and a path through the lawn from all the people who keep on stepping over it. So that's kind of a metaphor for what happens with the hair cells when there's a repeated and repeated exposure to noise. If it's just a bit of noise and there's time to recover, then the hair cells might be okay. But if it keeps on happening over and over again, then that's when we can see the permanent damage and the threshold shift, meaning the hearing is getting worse because of the noise. We're talking musicians and DJs, but not only the musicians, also the other staff at some of these venues, waiters and other people who are working in a place where they're being exposed to very, very loud levels of sound over many hours there's also people in different industries like in gardening or using power tools any kind of machinery factory construction work all of these people generally have an awareness that there's a lot of noise that they're being exposed to and there should definitely be safety standards in place to protect them meaning they're using hearing protection like earplugs and earmuffs and monitoring their hearing. But it's not only occupational, there are also recreational everyday use of things that make a lot of sound or places that we go where we're exposed to very loud sounds. So think of using a jet ski or a snowmobile or using lawnmowers, power tools, any of these things that can be really loud. So in addition to limiting the volume and the time that we're exposed to noise, we can also use hearing protection and although it might feel weird or be a little bit out of the ordinary to wear earplugs when you're at a concert you can still have a great amount of enjoyment and hear plenty of the music you're just dampening some of the sound so that it isn't quite so loud We also have to think about some of those times you go to the gym or you go to exercise class and they really, really crank up the music in an effort to invigorate your workout, but you have to really take into account that that kind of exposure day after day, hour after hour for the trainers and for the staff at the gym can really be problematic and lead to permanent hearing loss, but also for any of the gym goers. This is something that audiologists really do focus on a lot. And what we see when people come in with a history of noise exposure, a characteristic way that the hearing loss looks, it doesn't always look like this, but but there is a typical configuration of the hearing loss, which is called a noise notch. And it may look like hearing within the normal range across the frequencies, except for at 4,000 Hertz and around 4,000 Hertz. So 3,000 and 6,000 kind of going into a little notch. If you can imagine an audiogram, the results will be up at the top at a straight line from the lower frequencies to the mid frequencies and then take a dip around three, 4,000 and then come back up rising at six to 8,000. So that is a characteristic noise notch and when we see that, it's very common that that is a result of noise exposure. There's another major kind of noise exposure that doesn't happen over a long span of time, but can happen very, very quickly over a short period of time or instantaneously and at extremely loud levels. And this is called a transient burst and it can lead to an acoustic trauma. We're talking gunshots, and explosion blast that kind of exposure to very, very loud sounds in an instant or over a short period of time can really leave a lasting and dramatic impact on hearing, which brings us to the military and people who are exposed to gunshots and other kinds of explosions and very loud blasts. And in those situations, many times hearing protection is not an option. Those kinds of gunshots or explosions can come with no warning, and therefore there isn't time to put safeguards in place for the hearing. Not only can it lead to hearing loss, any kind of noise exposure, but especially the transient burst, loud gunshot or explosion type, can lead also to other symptoms like tinnitus, a ringing in the ears, or any kind of bothersome sounds. Tinnitus and hearing loss are the most prevalent service-related disabilities. We're going to come back to the military and to veterans later on in the episode with a really interesting interview. But before that, I want to answer a question that must be on some of your minds, which is, what can we do? How can we protect our hearing and how can we protect our children's hearing? So like I said before, an important thing to do is to limit the dose. If you're going to a concert, a wedding, an event, anything where there's going to be very loud music, you can take some precautions like staying as far away from speaker systems as you can. So that's reducing the sound instead of being right near the speaker where it's going to be the loudest. You can wear earplugs and for kids, there are these earmuffs that can be worn over the head. And in general to remember that when we're talking about a once a year event or something that's happening, you know, really out of the blue is different than something that's going to be happening regularly and over time. And one of the things that we really have to look out for with our kids is in school. In school there can be pep rallies or celebrations, assemblies, all these different events that can happen within the school day where music can really be played very, very loudly. And in the spirit of fun and in the spirit of the celebration or of whatever event is happening, everyone is well-meaning but there needs to be some people who come forward and speak to the administration to whoever is running the event to make sure that the sound levels are not too high to be damaging now that any person can download an app on their phone that is going to serve as a dosimeter that can measure the noise levels in a room and can tell you how loud it is there's really no reason why it can't be monitored throughout the day now i also don't mean that you should go and spoil every party and turn off the music everywhere you go but there is some kind of awareness that really needs to be increased especially around young children but for all of us if things are too loud you are allowed to step to the back of the room you are allowed to leave you are allowed to ask for it to be ma- to be made softer there are different things that we can do but most importantly when things are in our control meaning how loud we play our own music, how loud we listen to headphones or you know devices off of our own things. Those are things we can control. Welcome back to the All About Audiology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lilach Saperstein. I'm an audiologist passionate about spreading information, advocacy, and awareness about hearing loss and your role in whatever is going on with you related to your hearing, related to hearing loss. And with us today is a very special guest, U.S. Army veteran, served three tours in Iraq, Mr. Cornelius Maxwell, and he's going to tell us all about his philanthropy and his work with veterans. So we're so happy to have you on the show. Welcome, Cornelius.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And as well, I'd like to thank your audience for listening to me. And I hope they really get something out of this conversation that we're about to have.
0: That's the goal. Yeah, that's what we're doing on a podcast. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
1: Okay. Uh, To start things off, I'm an Army brat. Uh, My dad served (laughs) in the United States Army. (laughs) Uh, You started
0: out itty-bitty. You were like born into it.
1: That's right. Just full speed ahead. So matter of fact, it's crazy because the way my parents met is – my mother worked at the recruiting station as a secretary, and, and, and they met when my dad was coming to enlist, so my mother helped put him into the Army, and then they ended up getting married like three years later, so <laughs> so that's pretty funny. But uh, yes, I started off as an Army brat myself, and I also speak up for people with uh, special needs. I have an older brother who has autism, and so uh, he doesn't speak. He doesn't sense danger, so we always had to keep eyes on him. Uh, as far as myself, I served in the United States Army. I started three tours on Operation Iraqi Freedom. You know, I have a couple of college degrees under my belt after I got the military. And I do philanthropy work as well as I'm an entrepreneur. Some of my philanthropy work is I'm still on the board of directors of two nonprofits. One of them is called Honor House, which we're helping veterans with PTSD. And then also, I work with an organization called Wings for Warriors, in which uh, the founder himself, his name is Anthony Doc Amon, and he was blown up by an IED in Afghanistan as a Marine medic. And he had to have 30-something surgeries in San Antonio, Texas. And his family's from Phoenix, Arizona, and so they had to take uh, flights back and forth between Phoenix and and uh, San Antonio. And it became real expensive. And the VA it took them like two years or so to pay him the back pay or for his you know compensation. And so he started Wings for Warriors with his compensation money. So instead of doing something else with it, he decided to help other vets. And so that's what we're doing at Wings for Warriors. We help veterans and they're getting funny so they can see each other, uh, so family members can see the injured veterans. That's what I'm doing on that side. Uh, on the business side of things, on my personal business, I do public speaking. You know, I speak on leadership and motivation and inspiration. And I love seeing people become inspired. King Solomon was saying that a wise man's words are a wellspring of life. And so uh, I love that, and so I love being able to say they receive life after I speak to them. Or they feel inspired about life, or they're motivated about life. So I feel I feel that I'm blessed from that, and I truly enjoy that. Wow!
0: All right, wow, that's a lot going on for you. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, so first of all, I do want to thank you for your service, mm-hmm. and tell you that you know you're you're telling us about uh, inspirational leader to you mm-hmm. who has turned around his experience to help others. And it sounds like you're doing the same. You went through that difficult transition from serving and then going back to being a civilian. So what are, what are the issues that, what do you hear about hearing? Because I know that uh, hearing is, I think, the first or second most common reason that vets get compensation when they get back. A lot of hearing loss from all those explosions and gunshots and all that. What
1: kind of work are you involved in? That okay. And what I'm doing is I'm working on what is titled the Transition Units Theory Bill. It's a concept designed to help veterans with to lower the PTSD, suicide rates, the homelessness, the unemployment, uh, as well as increase entrepreneurship, and as well as help veterans acquire their benefits quicker. So you know, like I talked about, uh, my buddy, who's one of, who started the nonprofit, it took him two years. Well, this concept is designed to help these veterans get their benefits within six months instead of two years. And so I want to make sure these guys get those benefits because even like hearing loss, I know a lot of my buddies can they have trouble hearing because of the explosions, the gunfire. Sometimes even when we go to the gun range, some guys may forget to wear their hearing protection and now you have hearing loss or at
0: least when they're when it's mm-hmm. a protected environment to range like that, then everybody should be on top of the safety measures. Mm-hmm. Of course I can understand in the in the field, that's a totally different story. Mm-hmm. That hurts me right there. If you're in the place where the signs are everywhere, you gotta yeah. have your equipment. <laughs> but you, yeah,
1: true. But you know, some people, you know, you can watch them, you can monitor. But you know, there's always some people who find a way to uh, go around those things. But for the most part, you know, the range is a safe place. You know, that's an uncommon thing. But yeah. people do. But is common is. You know, the actual potential of getting into a gunfight when you're overseas and when you look again into a gunfight for two hours or 30 minutes or, you know, even some of my soldiers have been in gunfights for like six hours and that constant banging, banging, banging can definitely destroy your hearing. And so especially if you're in an artillery unit, even with the hearing protection, you still cannot lose your hearing because it's constant banging with the artillery rounds. far as marines and stuff you know if you do a lot of swimming a lot of underwater activities uh, because you know the pressure of the water can also hurt your ears if you're in the water too long too much pressure and so like i said there's many factors that can create veterans to have hearing losses but currently i've seen there's a lawsuit out where because of the hearing protection that we were given the the uh, earplugs there they wasn't made well or something of that nature i still researching that as well but there's like i said the lawsuit is out and they really didn't block out sounds like they're supposed to
0: i worked at the brooklyn va at new york i did one of my placements there during my training and i met so many great guys and ladies as well but Mm -hmm. mostly men (laughs) so so much hearing loss from the noise exposure but also a lot of tinnitus and for those who don't know, tinnitus is ringing in the ear, buzzing in the ear, any kind of noises that aren't actually there that are, they can really be bothersome and disrupt sleep. Just the the sound is really bothersome. And we, we had a training program together with a psychologist. We had a support group and um, a lot of strategies of how to deal with tinnitus because it's something that's very challenging and overlaps with some of the anxiety and things like that so yeah we're definitely aware of this outcome and it's a big issue with the vets um i think the greatest thing about the va is that all of the hearing aids are covered which to the general public are out of pocket expenses of thousands of dollars you know are covered top of the line hearing aids and all the accessories and everything for vets so it was a pleasure working there because that just it was off the table you know we didn't have to discuss anything about or having any struggles to access the technology, they were able to get the best mm-hmm. things. And I got to meet some very, very impressive and interesting people. I had a lot of respect and um, a lot of education about what, what you guys mm-hmm. go through.
1: Okay, good, good, yes. And like I said, a lot of stuff is there. I know that through the prosthetics department, you can get those hearing aids, I believe, as well, as like canes and uh, things like that. So. And they're really good, you know. If you have a sleep app, you know they provide you the sleep machine that you need for your sleep, your mask and stuff like that. And so, like I said, they are very good on that avenue. I believe so. I like that part about the VA. You know, uh, a lot of veterans do have a a lot of complaints about the VA about the, the cycle in which they, the timing in which they maneuver patients and stuff like that, yeah. and and patient care. But as far as providing those things once you've been diagnosed with something, I think the VA is on top of that. I agree. The VA's done a good job, and I thank you for your service working with the VA and, and serving the vets as well. There tend to be a, a language barrier between the civilian world and the veteran world. So it takes patience as well just in order to, to take the time to learn uh, the veteran language and characteristics and mannerism as it takes for us as well to learn the civilian side. So, you know, it's a combined effort which we're both working together to, to communicate for a common cause.
0: You know, one of the funny things about audiology, always in the equipment, you have right ear and left ear. The right ear is red. Everything that goes in the right ear is red. Everything in the left ear is blue. And I had a a Marine tell me that that is pretty similar to the way that there's navigation. Everything going to the right is red and going to the left is blue. So he was like, wow, we got the same technology, the same symbols going on here. And I thought that was funny. But yeah, it's it's definitely a very unique population for sure that has such a a heavy experience, you know, something that's a, a real struggle and we have to address that. So tell me a little bit more about this transition, Bill. You know, we have talked about what's what's helpful about the VA, what they're very good at. And so what's missing and what you're trying okay. to bring
1: in? Well, I believe that guys getting their benefits is missing. And so, you know, I met people who have been fighting for benefits for 20 years now.
0: And that's separate than the health Yes, just the health care, the healthcare, healthcare. correct.
1: Right. And so they've been trying just to, uh, their compensation and stuff like that. And so to get diagnosed properly, and and so these guys, are, they've had back injuries since they were in the service. And 20 years later, they still got back injuries and there's no treatment for it, you know, stuff like that. And and so what I want to do is help these guys do that ahead of time, you know, instead of waiting to after yeah. the fact, because there's a lot of veterans that got out, let's say like in the 90s, and they didn't know to know uh, document their paperwork properly. So now you really have to fight mm-hmm. and fight because you didn't document your paperwork correctly. And and part of my presentation on this bill was the fact that, uh, well, the DOD did a case study back in 2017, and they had a case study of over a million people that were enlisted. And 80% of these guys had a high school diploma. 10% had an associate's degree, and 7% had a bachelor's degree. 80% only had a high school diploma. So these guys don't have the credibility of maneuvering through government systems like that, you know. Um, And so with that being stated, I want to be able to help these guys go through the system with the assistance. Because if all you know is military, you graduate high school, you're a kid, you're 18, 19, or even 21, 22 years old you really don't understand government system like you think you do at that age, <laughs> you know?
0: Honestly, there's a lot of people in their 40s and 50s who don't understand government system. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it is like
1: a different yeah. Uh-huh, that's right. So you tell a guy who's been training for combat and, and stuff like that, and training for, you know, survival skills in the desert and survival skills in the jungle habitat, then you say, well, come back into the civilian urban population and figure out how to maneuver through the system. These guys are clueless (laughs) with a good reason. And so I want to be able to provide the opportunities for these guys to not be so clueless, you know, because, you know, they didn't have the education or the training, you know, or just maybe just the skills to do so. So we want to provide the opportunity for these guys to have that skill and those training and stuff like that. So um, this bill is very beneficial because I started a petition on it three weeks ago, and it's almost at 750 signatures already. And it's not saying that the military don't have an attempt to take care of veterans because there's a system at which they do uh, utilize to try to help veterans and they have VA representatives and, on the different bases and stuff like that. But there's a bottleneck in the system and the numbers are showing it, you know, with the PTSD suicide rates and uh, the homelessness of veterans and the unemployment of veterans. So there is a bottleneck there. And so what the transition unit theory bill is, it's a fixture, it's a solution to the bottleneck in the current system. And so in doing so, like I said, we're helping these veterans do so. And the way we're doing it is because the current system now is set up to where when you're out processing out the military, veterans are still a part of the unit, which means you're still held accountable for your soldiering responsibilities. Well, when you come out to the civilian world, you don't have those social responsibilities. So you need to completely focus on making connections and networking and you need to work on getting certifications and uh, and stuff like that. So you have the proper credibility, you know, in the civilian market because you have to know your audience. And if you're going to a civilian audience, then you need to know that. Like, for example, there's a course I took. It's called a combat lifesavers course. Well, that right there in the combat zone, I'm able to treat gunshot victims and uh, people who've been blown over with IEDs, which is another reason why people have hearing loss because of IED blasts, you know, roadside bombs and uh, being shot with rockets and anti-tank weapons and stuff like that while you're in a vehicle. You know, that causes hearing loss. And so if we can really just help these individuals play while they're still in the military, and that's what this system does. It helps them plan while they're still in the military. So that way, they and the transition unit's theory is breaks is based upon taking all these soldiers, these men and women, out of their military units, and so that way they can focus within the last three to six months and completely focus on their transition as being civilians.
0: So you were saying about that course that you took that, something about that? Okay.
1: Now, the combat lifesaver course, that, like I said, that helps us treat gunshot victims and uh, stuff like that. So, you know, that's how you were able to put the, the T for tourniquet on their forehead and the time so that way we, we know stuff like that. So it's an actual training course. And, and I believe it's equivalent to an EMT course. But at the same time, is you're not getting the same credits. And so what I want to do is propose so that these guys can use those skills into civilian war. So you guys can come in and be, you know, like a CNA or you know, or EMT and just get that certification training to go with it and have some sort of credibility. And so I want to do things like that. So that way these guys have those the credibility to go into civilian Because like I said, these guys have skills that can be leveraged. It's just a matter of just leveraging those skills.
0: So taking some of the training that you had done within the military and then making it Relatable to what they can do outside in civilian world. Correct. Amazing. Such an admirable goal. And we'll definitely have the link in the show notes Mm -hmm. to the petition. And is there anywhere else that our, our listeners can find you or learn more about your
1: work? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn as Cornelius J. Maxwell. I'm also on Facebook. I have a motivational speakers page, which is also Mr. Cornelius J. Maxwell on Facebook, as well as I have my mother's art website which is wwwlorna lorna w dot R-E-N-E, fineart.com. And I initially pushed this concept out at her art exhibition. It's the Honor Hero series, in which the series is where it's designed to honor veterans, but from her perspective as a wife and mother of veterans, you know, because my dad's retired Army and I served three tours in Iraq, and my younger brother served a tour in Iraq. And so... Yeah, and, and so you know
0: she's got a unique perspective. For sure. wow. <laughs> yes, she does.
1: And so she do have a very interesting perspective from seeing her husband go into the military to her two sons, and um, and then on top of that, you know, we just have a strong military background. I have uncles that served, and um, I think one of my great grandfathers served, and and so. We just have a strong Army background, strong military background in our family, and so she does have a strong perspective from that. She's made a lot of sacrifices herself in in her perspective, and I remember back in, I believe it was 88, my dad had to deploy to Korea for a year, and, you know, my older brother has autism, so she had to watch him, and then, you know, at that time they had four children. So, you know, my mother's watching four children while my dad was gone you know to complete his military service and you know, he was gone for a year when he came back but i still remember some of the, the stress that my mother was under
0: a whole family of heroes
1: <laughs> you <know>? <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much cornelius so cool to meet you and i'll definitely put all your links in the show notes so thank you for your work for your service and thanks for coming on the show
1: okay great, great and thank you and i thank you for your audience for listening I thank you for having me
0: Thank you so much to Mr. Maxwell for sharing all of that with us. It's so wonderful to learn about the services that are being offered to our veterans and to learn more about how hearing protection is something that's very, very important for all of us. Now is when I open up the podcast to you guys, the listeners. I'm so interested in the comments and in whatever questions you're going to have based on today's episode about protecting our hearing. So head on over to the Facebook group and share your questions and share your experiences with all of us. That's All About Audiology podcast on Facebook. You can also always reach me or DM me through Facebook or through Instagram. Instagram at All About Audiology podcast and I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on all the things we talked about today. I'm Dr. Lilac Saperstein and you've been listening to the All About Audiology podcast.